shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome to another episode of Shit Show Saturday. And today we are joined by a really special shit show to me. He's one of the shittiest shit shows we got. <laughs> Welcome, Andrew. Hey, hey. Hey, hi. Trigger warning, guys. Just in case, I don't know what's going to come out, but you've been warned. So you've been warned. Um, song. What do you want playing? Um, like walking into a room kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? You know the deal. Yeah. So I've got a couple of them. Basically, um, you got to pick one. Uh, I want to know what love is by Foreigner. Oh, okay. I dig it. Uh, carbohydrate. Uh, cheesy, cheesy potatoes. Mmm. Like mashed potatoes with like cheese mixed in or like the cubed no. potatoes with like mixed with the cheese. Like a scallop potato kind of mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, smoked on a cast iron skillet. You mm-hmm. know? That sounds Very amazing good. right now. Um, okay. Well, that's a nice segue. Cheese. You can't say cheesy potatoes for cheese. Right. So cheese. Um, I'm into, I really do like, you know, um, cottage cheese, mozzarella, cream cheese. I use a lot of cream cheese in, in a lot of dishes. So like what? Oh, you can make cream cheese. I mean, just anything that's melted, um, you know, just any type of dips. So it's, a, yeah, it's or just like straight part. spoon, spoon it up. Yeah. Yeah. Cream cheese. Yes. You know, <laughs> I like it softer or crackers or whatever, but that was the first cottage cheese we've got. I like cottage cheese. It's I like cottage cheese too. Pepper and salt and maybe a peach or two. I like the with the pineapple mixed in. Ah. Uh, That's my jam. Um and then um condiment. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Do you like a sweet, a smoky, a mesquite, a mustard? What what's the barbecue? So you're in Kentucky. So like what is the Kentucky style barbecue sauce? What are we working with there? They they like a lot of sweet. Um, okay, it is more sweeter than. So it's a more like tomato based one as opposed to vinegar based. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Compared to like Texas or Kansas, you know, Texas and Kansas has some. They're all famous for their barbecue, but uh, what we have here in Kentucky is mutton. Um, we lamb, cheap, yeah. So we eat a lot of mutton. Um, pork right um but yeah barbecue sauce and probably chick-fil-a sauce are my top two um you've seen princess bride i'm assuming yes yeah remember remember like whenever i think of mutton i think about that because there's the part with like billy crystal like with the witch and he's like he says something about like a mlt mutton lettuce and tomato yeah (laughs) Yeah. good stuff um Okay, so tell me about how you learned about the terminal child and how you realized that you're a big one. So I've been in go. I've been going to therapy for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, started around two, beginning of two thousand nine, nineteen. Sorry, um, and how I learned that I was an adult child was through basically kind of like therapy, listening to my therapist, uh, and finding out that. Um, you know, I have the trifecta of all the abuses. Mm. And which is like, what? What's the trifecta? 
And so we have physical abuse, emotional and mental abuse. And then sexual. And sexual abuse. Okay. The trifecta. Okay. So you're the hat, you're the hat trick of, of abuse. Right. And I'm like, why me? Right. You know, um, but the, you know, whenever you start looking at the traits of an adult child, um, it's like check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. Uh, maybe I got to change a couple words, but check mark, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it doesn't have to say the alcoholism, but it says something else. Mental disorders, you know, I'm like well, I can <laughs> change those to say something else. But exactly. um, but wholeheartedly, though, to actually say that I'm an adult child was maybe about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's when I'm like, that's when I was finding your stuff and finding other you know things about the ACA. And I'm like, this is right up my alley. So. I love, uh, so your therapist actually was familiar with the term. Well, my therapist is familiar with a lot of types of, 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 um, of abuse, right? So mm-hmm. they have an influx of different types. I mean, from different realms of types of abuse and trying to fix themselves. And, mm-hmm. and um, you're, you're basically the way I was put it to me is you're stuck as the eight year old. Mm-hmm. That's where you're at especially with your reactions and what you say to people and how you feel about yourself. That's a child. That's not an adult. That's not, you're not responding to stimuli and people that are um, of your same peers, your peer group. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a little different. Um, you're a little off. How did that feel to you? Like, what, was there some resistance in that or you were like, Oh fuck. Yes. You are. Uh, it was, a, it was a, everything. Every time I learned something about myself and learn, you know, the self healing, you know, everybody's on a journal journey, right? I wasn't on that journey till three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't on that journey to say, Hey, I need help. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when you're seeing, seeing yourself of like, okay, you recognize all this mm-hmm. in yourself and how you treat people and, it's, a, it's the biggest mask, right? We, we, we carry around these masks and who I truly am. I'm still figuring that out at times. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I wasn't taught very, you know, the, you know, normal social skills are basically, you know, things that you should know about, right? You should know about these type of things. And I'm like, uh, okay, I learned stuff. Heck, I just learned stuff last week, even for my wife. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Really? So, yeah, um, it's one of those things of you're always learning. Yeah, we're always learning. Right. And I started this, you know, started this healing journey before COVID, BC, right? We call it BC. Um, DC during COVID and AC for after COVID, whenever AC will come, right? We're still in DC. But before COVID and before everybody went through the same, you know, COVID situation and mental breakdowns, right? I was already doing my therapy before, you know, it was an in-person type thing. And then now we're, you know, we went to a um, video, you know, yeah. Or phone. We usually just talk on the phone, but it's, it is, you know, when, when you hear that, it's like a weight lifted off to really answer your question. Was it like a weight lifted off every time I'm learning something new? It's like, damn, it feels better to know that I'm not, I'm really not that weird. <laughs> well, you're weird, but you're not the only weirdo. 
Right, right. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. And I, Me too. And I, know, I know I've always been different. Not weird is boring. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your bottom? My rock bottom was the three-year mark. It's basically 30 years of silence. When you're always told to shut up, go away, don't say anything bad. If it's not good, don't say it. And I grew up in a small town, small country town, kind of a place with like one high school. And then that rock bottom was um, when I was on the phone, um, long to kind of back it up a little bit. I had a meeting with my own father and he uh, wrote my wife a letter and he mailed it to her and she read it and she handed it to me because it's a big envelope. And I read it. And when I read that letter, I called my brother, my older brother. And I proceeded to go off on the whole situation, right? Express, you know, I was pretty much yelling. Not at my brother, but at my brother about yeah. this letter. And um, in front of my wife, I let out 30 years of secrets to mm. my brother and I ran through my entire life history within like 20 to 30 minutes with him on the phone with me um, and disclosing everything that was bad. Mm -hmm. He had no clue. Meanwhile, my wife was standing right there in the living room and I literally was just going off. That was but you didn't realize she was in there, right? She was there, but I did not see her, right? I mean, I, I never saw her standing there, right? I was just so mad. Um, I've never gotten that mad before. It was, I've, I've never seen red and darkness before of when you're so angry, right? I'm not an angry, I, I, I get frustrated and kind of, spout off you know but no one's really seen me like angry like <sighs> you know a big bear right just a big teddy bear you keep poking the bear keep poking the bear the bear comes on fire mm -hmm. and you're not i wasn't being stopped so when i said all that uh, my wife left she went for a she was going for a walk when she heard all this and she came back and she was like you, you need some help Mm. You need to go, we need, you need to talk to somebody, you know, this is big, right? And I'll call her the normal people, right? I call them normies. Those are normal people who don't have any type of abuse, you know, or very little to none, right? Uh, very caring family that she grew up in and she's normal. Um, and then being a, you know, a 42-year-old male at the time was a 39-year-old male, but being a man and dealing with these this trifecta and not being embarrassed and shamed and, um, you know, like my voice matters kind of thing, right? Um, who the hell's going to listen to me, right? That's self-doubting, right? But yeah, after that, it took me about three months. Well, I started looking to therapy, right? You, you start looking online and try not to let your Google search get too horrible <laughs> or the, or your, uh, I always say your, uh, your FBI agent sitting there watching you, you know, mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
He's just like, what are you Googling? Uh, but um, <laughs> Mine are like pimple videos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like pimple popper. Who watch pimple popper? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can, um, so I found this therapy, uh, this group here where I live and um, they accepted me, right? And I got with a therapist and uh, denial like a mofo. <laughs> denied all this crap. Not denied it, but. It took me a long time to come out of my shell and actually say, Hey, this is, and she gave me hope. Right. And that was the biggest thing for me was hope. Never had anybody say, Hey, there's hope for you. Right. Of healing. Um, I thought it was going to be like a six month, you know, seven month kind of therapy thing. And no, in and out. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. Like she's like, you've got compounded trauma you've got so much stuff that you have to work through, through your family, through your childhood, everything, all aspects of life. You're going to have to kind of start reprogramming your brain. And I'm like, okay, how do you reprogram your brain? Right. And that's when I was introduced to EMDR. Mm. So I was introduced to EMDR with my therapist and uh, it's great. We're going to have to do some more. But as of May, though, I don't want to put this in past tense, but as of May of this year, 2022, um, I no longer see my therapist. She got a new position. And so she's like an HR director now. I don't have a therapist currently. Constantly working, looking for referrals, looking for the people who you look for online to say, hey, you sort all these filters out and you get mm -hmm. them narrowed down and you go look at their websites and it's like, okay, yay, no, I do want to, you know, very, very limited because of the COVID and everybody's looking for therapy. Everybody's mm -hmm. looking for therapists. And I'm like, I was here first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I have I, this number. Yeah. I'm curious because I think that this is something that happens with adult children. Um, when your therapist let you know that she was not, that she was not going to be able to be your therapist anymore. Did you have a, an abandonment response? Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Um, I even wrote her a letter, right? I even put it in my letter that I feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought I would feel that, right? We talk about feelings and, you know, other than being happy, sad, or mad, right? That's what most men are. Um, there's a whole wheel of, of, of so many more feelings. Um, and then, of course, um, that abandonment just, it was heavy. But the way I put it and the way my, not my trauma brain, I always think there's like a couple people on my shoulder, but my trauma brain feels that abandonment. But my realistic brain says, hey, Drew, you know, she gave you this foundation. She gave you hope. She gave you all these tools. She introduced you to healing. Mm -hmm. You're going to have other healers come into your life whether it be a life coach or another therapist or organization or another group of people, right. Um, that you're going to click. And she told me that, you know, that's, but it's been eight weeks and I'm like, Oh crap. I do need to see a therapist. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. anxiety keeps kicking up and of trying to bounce things off of other people. Right. Without mm -hmm. saying, you be my therapist for a little bit. <laughs> Can I run this past you? Because, you know, anyway. <laughs> so 
you know, you said 30 years of, of all this shit that you're holding on to now, granted successful career, I'd say yep. successful marriage for the most part. Yep. Right. Yep. No kids. No kids. Right? Yeah. So would you, do you feel like in hindsight, do you feel like you were walking around tortured by this silent past or you really were just so disconnected from it, it? It wasn't a major player in your daily life. It was always a daily. It was a day. It, it was. Um, it was shame. Mm-hmm. That shame and um, you know all the other little stupid traits that I have. It was always there. It was always there, based upon what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so events in the current events of the news, mm-hmm. whether it be um, school people, people, um, teachers, to religion, to celebrities mm-hmm. that are in the news of, uh, of abuse, of all kinds of abuse, right? So that, those are just like triggers every day, mm-hmm. right? So it's just always there going, okay, you know. But I truly, honestly believed that I could take this to the grave. Mm-hmm. I really honestly believe that no one's ever going to find out about what happened to me. Our baby boomer parents kind of said, sweep it under the rug. Don't say shit about it. Don't bring shame to our family. You know, move on. That And not confront what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But it was always there. It was. It's always been there. Um I really saw a lot of it in 2005 a little bit. I almost had a I had my low point in 2005. Basically, I broke up with my girlfriend of seven years, quit my job, and started over and went and visited a psychiatrist. That was the wrong thing to do for someone who has mental trauma and mental issues and dealing with their shit. Right. Is it going to talk about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, they she prescribed so many drugs. I mean, I met this one psychiatrist. I met her a total of three times, and I was on some major narcotics. I don't, you know, I remember what they were. I just don't. It was bad. Um, basically, Respital, Adderall, Depakote, uh, Ambient to sleep at night. Right. So I was on this concoction of drugs constantly and I was I was on it for about six or seven months. It's not a good. (laughs) Ambient is so dangerous. I mean, people like sleepwalk, drive like it's like so horrible. Right. Right. I mean, I've slept. I've slept walk. Um, I have a lot. You know, it's the nightmares. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't talk about the nightmares. I always wondered why even my older brother, which people with, you know, trauma, there's some people that can remember details of their daily lives. Mm-hmm. But for some of us, um, my childhood was a blank. It is a blank. Uh, I always had to go to back to my brother and say, hey, well, you know, what happened here? Where did we do? You know, he can remember certain Christmases and stuff. And I'm like, I have no clue. Um, it's just a it's just a blank. I just remember like snippets of it. That's another hurdle, right? Mm-hmm. Realizing all oh, your friends can remember the childhoods, but you can't remember yours. And so you're thinking, all right, this is horrible. You know, 
and you try to recall those good memories. And that's what's that's that that's that's another hard issue is recalling the good memories from your childhood and not being able to say, hey, I can really relate with you, Andrea. Yay, you know, you went to summer camp. Okay. Yeah. I went, but I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Right. My memory recall really kicked in right after high school. Right after high school, um, I was able to remember basically when I became. So after, so, you know, I grew up in a small town and then I, once I became 18, um, I moved out at the age of 19, moved, you know, a couple hours away to a bigger city and um, knew that, you know, my abusers and all the, I was leaving all the shit behind, Mm -hmm. but it does stay with you Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. weekly basis in a way. The abuse does. So, what was your wife's understanding of your childhood? And was there, did she feel betrayed at all? Right. So, we're still working through that. She knew that. Um, not that you were intentionally betraying her, obviously. That, well, not no, that. That's not that. That's how I felt, yeah. right? Like, yeah. That's how I felt. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I just like blurted out all this trauma, all this on my trauma dump on her in front of her. Um, it's, it's a work in progress, right? So it, it's, she works with me on my reactions, how I feel, my feelings. Um, she's helping me cope with those, but the initial shock, it, it put her back, right? It, it, it set her, you know, she's like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, um, and she's allowed me to freely do things. I mean, I, won't, I can I can go do whatever I want. She doesn't control me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whenever I tell her I'm going to therapy, tell her I'm going to group, tell her I'm doing this, tell her I'm doing that, tell her I've I'm, I'm got another Zoom meeting, right? She's all for it, right? She's like, well, you can't do that because we're doing this. No, she sees my schedule. She knows when I'm doing things. And she's okay with it, right? So having that validation from her that uh, this healing does take time, and it's. But as of, um, she knew that I had a troubled childhood when we first met. Like she knew that um, basically when we first met is when my grandmother was killed. Well, anyway, she died. You rephrase that technically. She. Uh, she saw my family for the first time right when, you know, basically I met her in November and in January, a few months later, my grandmother passed away and she was dealing with me with a whole funeral shit show. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's where, uh, she's seen me at my low points. She's seen me, at, uh, you know, where I'm but basically just kind of thought that, you know, okay, this is just him dealing how he copes with it and how he deals with it. And, Nothing about the trauma, you know, she, she knew that, uh, you know, I just didn't have good parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a household with, you know, where love was never told to you. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never came out right and said, Hey, I love you. I love you, son. I think I've only heard it maybe five or six times my entire life from my own parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
so when we met in 2000, Katie and I, or my wife and I, Katie and I met in 2009, and then in 2013 is when we got married. Um, we basically got married in June, beginning of June. And in October of 2013, my mother passed away. And she didn't know any of this. I was more upset. Yes, I was devastated by my mother passing away. I was there when she passed away. I pushed the code button when she passed away in the hospital, congestive heart failure. And I was there holding her hand when she died. I was upset that she passed away, but the way my brain works is when she got to heaven, she found out everything that was my history. Mm. And that's what I was more upset. People couldn't understand why I was really upset. My beliefs have always been when you go to heaven or you die, you know all your the history of everything that's ever happened to your loved ones that you can find out about or you know about. Sorry, that's how my brain works, but what, that's the way I thought about it. And um, I believe that, you know, my mother saw me, you know, she found out that I was abused. Hmm. She never knew that I was. So that was in 2013 when she passed away. And then in 2019, you know, six years later is when uh, this all just all came down. This just all fell apart. And, um since then, that letter included from my father, uh, he has, he's basically wrote me off. Um, I'm no longer to contact him ever again. Call, write, stop by, nothing. And uh, that's been three years and it's been a year, a little over a year since I've been going, I've gone no contact with my own brother. So as of my immediate family, it's all her family. My family is her. And so what were the circumstances that led up to you deciding to cut ties with your brother? So my brother had a, a mental, uh, kind of a mental breakdown uh -huh. about a year ago. And we're talking like really, really out there. I mean, some really crazy stuff, uh, religious stuff. And... And, and thank goodness I had a therapy therapist going through, helping me through all this. It was bad. He was having a mental breakdown, had the, uh, yeah, people uh, call the uh, like adult protective services on him, had police show up to where he was at multiple times and he was off his rocker. And, um, and that's when I learned that going no contact so I can heal. Mm-hmm. Well, I can work through all my shit. It may be years before I reach out to him again. I know I've I felt better since I've not talked to him. Mm -hmm. I know that it's hard, right? You know, you're saying, okay, yeah, I, I love my brother. You know, it was just basically I always saw it was just me and him against my parents. You know, it was just us against them. But now my own brother, my brother lives with my father. Mm. And in the, in the few times that I was communicating with him, my brother, he decided to confront my father, our father, about um, about the abuse, and he denies all of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I told my brother, I'm like, that's not your place to tell him that. Mm -hmm. I told you not to tell him. You know, I wanted to confront him. You know, either it was on, if it was going to be on his deathbed or wherever. But they never, you know, he never had accountability, right? 
So it means just when you grow up with a kind of a shitty upbringing, you don't have all the good stuff that everybody else is filled with. So granted, I didn't know you when all this stuff popped up three years ago, but I can tell that there's a lot of healing has already occurred with you. Like I can, I just know it. What was there a, um, what, what it's been like a pivotal, a pivotal aha or like a pivotal shift for you? Or do you feel like it's just been, um, kind of like a slowly gradual warming up of the pot? It is. It's, it's, it's gradual, right? I really thought it was going to be like, okay, I see (laughs) this. I see this. I check this off. I check this off. I check this off. Okay. I don't think, you know, that's my problems. Okay, cool. Um, I never wanted to be labeled. The biggest thing is not being labeled um, mm-hmm. that you're, you have a mental problem. And then in the DSM, you know, CPTSD is not in there, but CP, mm-hmm. you know, PSD, PTSD is, but it's been always gradual. There's never been like, ha ha, this is great. You know, the, the, the greatness of the light bulbs going off for me is it's a daily interaction. It's changing my daily interactions with either it'd be a friend, a customer, or an acquaintance or someone stranger, total strangers. Even my wife says, why do you, why are you, she always asks why I'm so nice to everybody, even to total strangers. I'm, you know, I'll pull over on the side of the road and help you change a tire. You know, um, when I moved to the big city, I got robbed the second week I was here because I was giving a total stranger a ride, you know, off the side of the street, you know, just things that um, it's always been gradual. So the, the light bulbs have been like, okay, I see that. I see that. Okay. I shouldn't really react like that. Right. See the issue. Think about it. Pause. How you feel about it. And then respond mm-hmm. instead of the immediate response. Subsequent cleanup. Yeah. yeah. What about, um, what about a, a, a core limiting belief that you feel like the volume has been turned down some? It's the shame, the shame of, of, um, I am shame. Yeah. I, I have, sh- I, I am shame. Uh, I'm a burden, right? Um, I have no self-worth. I had, I had no self-worth, right? Um, the biggest was, it was the, sh- is, is dealing with the whole male toxicity of shame, mm-hmm. right? Um, no offense to the females that are listening, right? <laughs> There's been stuff out there, you know, when you hear people, victims and survivors and all this, it's like everybody always assumes, immediately goes to a a domestic violence of a female, right? Or, you know, some, you know, or even, you know, a rape or something, you know, that's where people go with. And and I've just been sitting in the background going, yep, yep, yep. I know where (laughs) I'm going, okay. You know, and then the whole notion with, um, you know, the Me Too movement, you know, there is a, there is a Men Too movement also. Mm-hmm. We're silent. We don't, we're not out there waving our flags or, you know, beating the drums and playing instruments and trying, you know, causing waves, not waves, but causing attention to the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Women have been doing that for many, many years, a lot long, you know. Standing up for the rights and standing up for what they believe in. Um, and I've just been over here going, yeah, me too. Mm. 
what did you listen to the interview that I had with the the guy in Australia? Did you ever listen to that? Wait, who was like groomed? Yeah. I've listened to a lot of them. You got like 90 something. <laughs> I'll have to send um, you that one. He wrote they almost they, they almost kind of like blend in. Blend in. He wrote a book called <laughs> Toy Cars. Um, oh, uh, he, was, he was like uh, Nate. Nate. No, Nate. no, Nate. not no, not Nathan. 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 Yeah, the one that was like went to the pool. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? No, I haven't heard that one. Oh, you need to listen to that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe if you're in a good spot. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I think it'll so, resonate with you a lot. So this was very similar that story. So even listening to other survivors, I've talked to other survivors, right? I've talked to other, you know, either in, in group or online or wherever. Um, for me, the triggers don't hit me like that. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone wants to disclose whatever they've gone through, um, I have a talent of listening, showing you my compassion and, and, and empathy and, it goes out the year, right? I know that, you know, I don't want to remember those details of you. Um, yeah. I even had a friend, he was like, hey, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that, you know, that activity. I'm like, why? We're just going to go to the gun range. He goes, dude, I'm a convicted felon and I can't go to the gun range with you. <laughs> oh, shoot. Over, you know, something that grows in the ground. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Mm. You know, <sighs> you know, um, I just don't, I don't put labels on my people who I get to know, right? Yeah, just because that happened to you, that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. I've always said that about people. And now I'm good at showing that mirror, right? And projecting all that. But by God, coming back at me, it's like little daggers every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's the triggering. That's the triggering of going, you can put up that shit all day long to your friends, but why don't you take it, man? Yeah, um, exactly. And that, and where that falls in lies, and with me is that self worth. Mm -hmm. Those little daggers are going. You should say that about yourself. Mm -hmm. So, what are three things that you like about yourself? Three things I like about myself: um, I'm compassionate for others. Um, I'm punctual. Right? If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and I'm not into sports. <laughs> I have other hobbies other than talking about the ESPN channel, you know, or whatever is on, you know, I don't watch sports. I and, love that you just said that that's one of your things. Right. <laughs> did you play sports as a kid? No, I was a, I was a band geek. Yeah. What did you play? Uh, started trombone, then tuba. A Played sousaphone and tuba. Yeah, they put the big kid on, on a uh, on the on the sousaphone. You know the one that wraps around you with the yes. big bell. Yes. Yeah. They, they, um, I didn't want to get hit. I didn't want to be touched. Right. I, you know, football. Right. Put the big kid in mm -hmm. football. No, don't hit me because I'm gonna. There's gonna be fist thrown. I don't care. You know, I, I don't want to be touched. I don't want someone touching me. It's like a tuba's um, like armor almost. Tuba's like armor. Like, you right. can't get me. Can't touch me. I got this damn tuba around me. Right, right. <laughs> well, and I've got the biggest, well, us in the, in the, in the drum line were, uh, you know, because our stuff was so big, right? Mm -hmm. um, you never had to, everybody else had to carry their stuff and instruments, whatever. But um, 
but for the most part, you know, it's, um, you know, I've always found healing in, you know, I'm, it's all the hobbies, right? So when you have all these hobbies, um, I'm not the type of guy that's going to, you know, live my life by a sports team and make my feelings and emotions by, uh, you know, something on the, on the TV. Right. You know, I do. I will. (laughs) The Miami Dolphins lost. Well, okay. You know, if that's your team. (laughs) No, I will. My, my emotional well being is dictated by sports and reality TV shows. So I'll just be honest about that. (laughs) We all have, we all have a caveat. We all have our thing. The other thing, the other thing is that having all the hobbies and, and, the hobbies that I have is because I didn't have hobbies when I was a child, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't able to do those things. And I'm like, okay, don't have kids. If you're dinks too, well, you're a sink maybe, right? Single income, no kids. Mm-hmm. So um, you'll be able to do the things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. This, you know, just in a way, almost reparenting myself mm-hmm. with fishing and hunting and, scuba diving and gold prospecting and metal detecting and um flying drones i'm a big drone flyer now um so photography catching really great sunsets and sunrises i mean i have a ton of a ton of hobbies too real housewives of beverly hills real housewives of atlanta real house of new jersey (laughs) right well i've been on a kick here lately for the uh uh the below deck I don't mm-hmm. know if you watch the below deck. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I have a wife, so she's like uh Bravo 930 or whatever. <laughs> she oh, puts we're in a, so nice. Yes, it's uh, we should raise money and do like we should because the people that are on it, they you know, they they get a discounted rate, but they still have to pay, you know, to, to go on the ship. We should right. start a GoFundMe and we could do it like with like eight of us from the Patreon. That would be fucking excellent TV, wouldn't that? Just right. throw a bunch yeah. of adult children on the below deck boat. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Right. Yes. That's, Actually, uh, they should pay us to be on it. Yeah. That would be that would be <laughs> fun, right? You know. Um, but it's but but who's paying the tip? Because I'm not. I don't have that kind of money to pay the tip. We'll figure it out. <laughs> well, we're talking. You know. We'll amazing. have a bake sale. Yeah. Right. We'll have a bake sale. <laughs> I think, well, I don't know if you were in there the other day when Eric was, Eric baked a peach cobbler during the middle of our group. So we could have a, a bake sale. <laughs> and actually, I was going to say something. Yeah, uh, we just made a peach cobbler and a cast iron in the oven the other night. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Hmm. So what is a hope or dream that you have for your future? For myself or uh, for myself? Yes, for yourself. We're talking uh, about you. I know, right? Uh, to be, to be free, mm. to be free of the torment, to be free of the the negativity that's in your brain, in my brain, right? To be free of 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 uh, of lifting that mask off, mm. right? To be free of not having to put that shield up, because, like I said, three years ago, those walls came down. And now I just have the shields and only use those. And, and that's to be free of um, to be free and open to be openly be able to talk about um, my issues, men's issues uh, of what this trauma really has done to me to be free of, you know, and not being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. not being having that shame of this happened to me, you know, because trauma survivors are not more for the um, poor me. Mm-hmm. We don't say poor me. Mm-mm. No, it may sound like that, but it's, you know, we don't want that empathy and sympathy all the time from, from the normies. You know what they say in AA, like with that, they'll be like, poor me, poor me, pour me another drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, I just want to say that you're a really big inspiration to me, seriously. And I just uh, feel so honored to have you as part of my life and to have you as part of the group. It's really, you've been a huge asset in there. So um, thank you for being so vulnerable and honest and open. And I love being on this journey with you. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. It means a lot. It really does. You've got a great platform. It's the reason why I followed you. It's the reason why I'm like, whoa, you're just like me. You're just like us. I'm like, wow. Wow. There's a whole, wow. There's a lot of other people here. And we have fun. fun, right? Well, it is fun, but on the other hand, it's it's uh, it's, it's real. Not in, it's not in a scary place either, right? I'm not, I, at first I was nervous as ever can get out. I'm like, okay, all these people. Well, I'm like, after four weeks, five weeks of doing this, I'm like, wow, this is all us. This is mm, I love it. good stuff. Well, and you. I appreciate you for putting this on. You know, you started three years ago, right? Three or four years ago. No, I started it a little over a year ago. Oh, a year ago. Okay. Well, you started your healing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago. That's what I'm thinking. So the podcast, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? I found you. So, hey. You found me. It works. Keep finding me, people. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye!